Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Keepers of the Book. My name is Mutahir, joined by my brother here, Mazbea. And today we'll be talking about chapters 39 through 44, finishing off Broken Skies? Question mark. Yeah. Previously on Ava, I mean, Keepers of the Book. So last talk we left off with the... We got confirmation, or at least I guess the crew got confirmation that the Coloss are made from people, as well as confirmation to, again, the characters that <clears throat> Spook is a survivor of Flames. Um, well, I think, no, we got confirmation. The characters have yet to get confirmation. Well, they'll get confirmation soon, don't worry. So, <laughs> chapter 39, epigraph. And holy crap, this is probably one of my favorite epigraphs because this one talks about the greater Cosmere. Um, I'm not going to say that that counts as a spoiler, because as soon as I read it, the first thing I thought of was, um, Infinity Stones. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> um, so shards is a thing in Cosmic. I have no idea what it means. I don't know if it means gods. I don't know if it means planets or systems or what, but shards is a thing. Um, and whoever this hero of ages is in the epigraphs, he's talking about how, he's talking about shards and then he's also talking about something or someone named Adonalsium. I don't know what that is. Now that could be a God. Yeah. That could be like, you know, an ancient God, right? Like it could be their version of Kronos, you know, but, um, he says in the epigraphs, I sense shards of something from long ago, but here's the interesting thing as well. Uh, this is more relevant a little bit more relevant to Mistborn. Talks about at the end of the world, we're larger than just the final empire. And I think what he means is just that planet. So does this mean that whatever is happening here has some form of effect? That the conflict between these two gods, preservation and ruin, has some form of effect on what's going on over there in, you know, Stormland Archives world or Elantris's world or Warbreaker's world? You know, so it, and if it is, if it is, maybe it's happening. This event is happening in the history of Stormlight Archive when the series take place, and maybe we see about see something about that in the history books, right? See the effects. That'd be pretty yeah, cool. yeah. So it'd be really interesting, and I'm going to be keeping my ears to the pages when it comes to Adonalsium for sure. Like, you listen to your book. Yeah, uh, it whispers to me the pages individually. I just rub the pages together, and ah, yeah, it's a little easier to do an e-voice <laughs> or sorry, audio books. But um, I feel yeah, like so that'd be I'll easier. Just... I think that's how I got all my amazing predictions in for in books one and two. You rub pages together. Yeah, and then they like Weirdo. told me the spoilers. The Wait, that's what you said you did. I'm not yeah, but it's only weird when you do it. Oh, I see. <laughs> I don't do it to get spoilers, you idiot. <laughs> if you need to get spoilers, just look at the back of the book. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways. Chapter 39. Um, Ten soons. This is like... <laughs> I don't know. I just started making... Con uh, drawing comparisons. Uh, for those of you who are on TikTok, which, by the way, the podcast does have a TikTok account, um, the way that Tensoon like TikTok. comes out and sees the ash, I start thinking of that one TikTok trend. Oh no, 
oh no 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 <laughs> like it's perfect right he comes out in this just ash everywhere right? oh no yeah. oh no <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect uh someone needs to do it. if they ever make a uh an animated series or something out of that i'm definitely turning that into a meme for sure i'm i'm i'll edit it <laughs> yeah. i'm already committing yeah so this one this one doesn't have much going on as far as pushing the story forward but i think there's a lot more there's some interesting history here so the first contract has a set of instructions on what to do in the end times sounds like i guess their version of a bible or some holy book um and so now, he, so in the end, he just goes, he's going to Vin, which I think is interesting. So I, if I'm to assume this right, he is going to Vin because that's what the instructions say, that in the end times, go to the father. But the father's dead, so now the one who killed him, Vin, is the mother. So are you just supposed to go to the person that killed your king? Because yeah, that's like... That's like no loyalty to your king. Yeah, but that, I, I think that's the point, though, right? Like, it's just the king is dead. Long live the king, right? Like, when it's it like, comes, uh, what's it called? The Julius. Oh, I was thinking Julius Caesar. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that too. But that's yeah. just in general, that's everyone, right? When you have a king and he gets death, death by conquest, the guy who conquered him or the guy who beat him essentially is the new king, or in this case, queen. So, I mean, you know, like, for example, all the Kingsguard that were under, um, that were left alive, that were under the Mad King in Game of Thrones, were now under Robert Baratheon after, um, you know, he took the throne. Mm-hmm. So that, that it just seems like a natural shift of things. Natural, I don't know if it's yeah, necessarily... Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily like a disloyalty thing. It's just like, I just find it funny that they call Vin the mother... And Lord Ruler the Father. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely some religious thing there. That's why I think the contract, it seems more formal, but it definitely seems like something a bit more religious, right? Like, yeah. Uh, they, they, they're not allowed to kill people. They, they're just, I don't know. It, um, and, you know, referring to the uh, Lord Ruler as a father. And what I thought was interesting here was that the Lord Ruler would give Condra spikes for each generation. So he'd supply the spikes. Um, Reduce, reuse, recycle. I don't think that's the case. They're not reusable, really. I mean, they are, but they lose the effectiveness, to my understanding. Yeah, they do. And remember, this is this seems like something more of ruin. So, yeah, yeah, it's not really all happy-go-lucky like that. <laughs> but one thing I did want to make note of, I think we should probably take you know watch closely is that for whatever reason, it takes two spikes to form one blessing, which I don't understand why. Um, because to my understanding with the Inquisitors, one spike is one spike, right? That's that's it. But yeah. for them, their blessings, which we thought were basically the same thing as spikes, which, and to be fair, they mostly are. But two and spikes like, form one blessing. It, like, gives the Chandra, <laughs> it, it turns them into the... Uh, it. Oh, my God. Spikes give... Spikes turn Miss Race into Chandra, so it like almost gives them humanity. Yeah, that's no, what exactly, they said. Right? And I thought that was really interesting. I think he talks about that. Um, 
little bit later. I think, yeah, chapter 41 epigraph looks like he talks yeah. about that, where to the Coloss, it looks like it kind of takes away their humanity. Whereas for the Chondra, it gives them all the humanity in the world, essentially. They're yeah. from mindless globs to flies. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, but on to chapter 40. The epigraph, um, there's not really much to talk about here. Um, Coloss is just a melding of five people, or more specifically, five souls. So that's... I I wonder how many Inquisitors it takes to make... I, I want to kind of go back in the original Inquisitors that were under the Final Empire and see how many spikes that they had. To my understanding, they had spikes through their eyes and I think their chest as well. Right. They had... They definitely had it through the chest because that's where the weak spot was, was through the chest and out the back. Yeah, so I think it takes three minimum killed to make it an Inquisitor. Yeah, that would make sense. God. I remember the way they described him. Marsh being made into Inquisitor. Some woman, Misting, was thrown on top of her, hammered, spiked through the heart into his eyes, another one through the heart into his eye, other eye. God. Yeah. Messy work. That was not fun. Speaking of Kodos and Inquisitors, Elend and his uh, his crew, his co, or sorry, his company, uh, they're discussing the Kodos and the Inquisitors, um, like I guess how they're made and the similarities and stuff. And Norden again brings up the sixteen percent being not natural, and it's very intentional. And he's hinting at that there's some entity behind this, right? Like sixteen if, metals. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I, I. I'm starting to think that that could be the connection that there has to be 16 medals. And at this point, I think we know what, like 12? We got yeah. four medals left. It's um, that wheel, baby. Yeah. I'm telling you. So, <clears throat> but I did. So him hinting at that there's some entity, it's kind of like just confirmation of what we were talking about, right? Like if you have something that's precise, there's someone behind it. Um, could be some godlike. Being. And it, has, it should probably is some godlike being, right? That's causing it because I doubt it's one human being. One, but this is where I, I get kind of concerned, and this is why Mistborn is referred to as the bridge between young adult and adult, because this is still kind of handholding, right? Um, yeah. I feel like Sanderson's prose he gets a lot of flack for that. In my opinion, and this is just goes on the record. As of right now, December 17th, 2020, I like simpler prose. If I have to sit there and every time I read a paragraph, I have to decode what you're saying. And in that time, I could have read the next paragraph. Like, if you make it harder for me to read your book, you're making it harder for me to read my book, dude. Or your simple book. Simple man. Yeah, you know, like I just make it simple, make it. I'm not. And again, there's a difference between being handholdy and being and having a nice, simple, clear prose. Yeah. Now, if there's certain prose that like that's very easy to understand, but at the same time leads you to contemplation, that's another story. But I, I think, in my opinion, I think Sanderson has that sometimes, where sometimes his, his style of writing will he'll write some lines that are just so beautifully written. But on the other hand, you know, like. 
Lord of the Rings, when I was a kid, and I'm going to eventually go back and read it, like Lord of the Rings felt very flowery for me to read. So, but yes, in this, it feels like Sanderson is very handholdy, right? Like he kind of already hinted at before that there's some entity controlling the 16%. And now he's kind of coming out and be like, okay, listen, for those of you who still haven't caught on yet, by the way, there's an entity controlling the 16% thing. It's just, I don't know. It, it, what do you think? I do think it's an entity controlling it. No, no, no. Do you think for it's sure. kind of handholdy? And if it is, do you? Think- yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It is for sure. Because there's a lot of things that are just like kind of fed to us. Yeah, and I'm curious to see what that what it's like in Warbreaker and and how it uh, how he changes as he matures. Yeah, yeah. Um. And uh, maybe because Stormlight being his magnum opus, his massive epic, he probably won't. Yeah, or sorry, he might not. And don't get me wrong, like, this isn't deteriorate. I guess, no, it does, in my opinion, it does deteriorate the book in a way. Because when you have handholdy stuff to this level, uh, it just adds extra words, which I feel is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with info dumps. And people say infodumps can be kind of handholdy because it's just fed to you directly. But this this specific occurrence is very handholdy because he already kind of fed this to us. And I feel like if you've been paying attention, you should be able to kind of come to the conclusion that like, yeah, there's an entity controlling this. But whatever. I think I spent enough time talking about this. <laughs> Moving on. Uh so yeah, Ellen thinks that there's a connection between the Inquisitors and the Coloss. And Nurdin does confirm that the obligator were, the other obligators during the time of the Final Empire were investigating them. Um so they also conclude that they're made up of several people, which I again this feels <laughs> I said I spent enough time talking about this, but this also feels handholdy, right? Um now you could argue that hold on, I just realized something. I feel like some saving grace he has here. It could be that the crew is just not coming to his conclusion, so he's just covering his base at like, you know, how did the characters not go from knowing about it? Like, we as a reader knew about it through the epigraphs, but how did the crew know about it? So I guess this is them coming up to speed. But I also feel like it does serve a double purpose on reinforcing um, all these previously confirmed facts to the audience. Um, Make of that what you will. But Vin does bring up that Lord Ruler kind of had his whole trifecta going with Hemalurgy, um, where the soldiers were the Coloss, the spies were the Chandra, and then the priests were the Inquisitors, which doesn't make the more sense to me because I don't see what kind of priesting the Inquisitors were doing. They just seem like more like elite soldiers to me. Um, elite and uh, intelligent soldiers, right? Like the Colas yeah. were, you know, they're not powerful. They're very, <laughs> but they're not, you know, you wouldn't send them to go find Scott Mistings. So. Or to solve a math equation. Yeah. <laughs> or to do anything that didn't involve just smashing something. Basically just but, Hulk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they do talk about that there's a fail-safe switch by the Lord Ruler because he had to have known that the Ruin was going to have some form of control over them. So 
that's going to come in handy, right? Like, I guess for the Inquisitors, we kind of know what that is, where you just remove that spike in the back of their head and they die. <laughs> yeah, we already knew. Yeah, we knew that, but yeah, I wonder if you can more fail them against Coloss and Chandra. There have to be. Yeah, you can behead them too. Yeah, basically yeah, just like too. disconnected from the main spike, I guess, which is the heart. Yeah, that looks about right. Or sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, so they also conclude that the Inquisitors had the same weakness as Condor and Colas, which I guess that means, you know, strong emotional elements he works against them. I'm very interested to see them try that out. I have a feeling it's going to be a bit harder than against Colas and Condor, anyways. Yeah. So Demo brings up again that the soldiers don't trust the Mist Fallen, and this is like awful timing because they're about to attack, right? So what do you do? Do you improve the trust between soldiers and have them go on a mission together because that you know eventually increases trust, but that also risks the mission. That takes long. Yeah, it takes long. It's time consuming. Too. Yeah. So because they kind of need to act now, they kind of just. Uh, say, okay, we're going to make two companies, one of the Mist Fallen, one of not. And yeah, I guess that's the best way about going it, uh, going about it, I think. Uh, making the best situ- of the bad situation. Um, and then a messenger arrives from Luthadel. This, this honestly annoyed me, right? Because when Ellen's reaction was the same as mine, when he said, like, I left him one job, and that was literally just a whole Luthadel. He can't even control some riots. You so, had one job. Yeah. That's it. One so big one. Finn, say again? I said one big one, but still just one job. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so later, Vin and Ellen are discussing, and Ellen's concluding that this whole issue going on with Luthado, where there's like riots and everything going on, it's uh, he thinks that Ruin is trying to pull them away from Fedrick's, which. Perhaps to Ellen. I think that's a pretty smart conclusion to come to. But, again, Ellen being the wise king and leader that he is, he just says, you know, we can't go back to Luthadel. You know, no retreat, no surrender. Uh, and he's, he's right, right? You can go back to Luthadel. You call, let's just say you go back there, call the riots. What's to say the riots are not going to start again as soon as you leave? And at that point, yeah. how much, you know, how much more fortified would Fadrix be. So this again making the best of a bad situation. I'm really liking uh the effect Tindwell had on Ellen. It's just and yeah, it, I don't know. I, I I'm really loving Ellen's leadership here. Stupid says it. <laughs> so at the end here, and th- this is very brief, but I did think it was kind of important. Vin is wondering why the Mists aren't helping her now. Because they helped her back then to kill Lord Ruler. Now, for a while, we were, me and you, right, Mithahir, we were discussing and we had kind of come to the conclusion that the preservation was the Mist and Ruin was the Ashes. But we never really truly got confirmation of that, I don't think. We have not. So if that's, so if it's possible that we just could be wrong about that, it's possible that Ruin is of the mist as well, and he's the one that um, 
I think that would make sense because lo- uh, kill Lord Ruler. Because the misses was killing people, and the whole sixteen percent thing would match up with that. Match up with him being ruined. Yeah, but or with the miss being ruined. Preservation though. Mm-hmm. So would that mean the miss is preservation? Oh yeah, but why would it kill people? Yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. It's just I don't know. We're gonna have to. I guess we can't continue with that assumption anymore. Or remember that one oh, Star Wars Clone Wars arc where it was like that older brother who's like bad and the sister that was good and the father that was a balance. Yeah. What if <clears throat> the mist is Farukami? And it's just a balance. Okay, but why would the mist be attacking with that 16%? I don't know. <laughs> it ain't preservation, that's for sure. Uh, well, <clears throat> regardless, moving on to chapter 41, but that is one thing I feel like we should keep our eyes to the ground about. Or ears to the ground. I don't know. Just pay attention to it. God damn it, reader. Um, chapter 41, <laughs> boys. Epigraph. Wow, it didn't even say anything to you. What? You say, God dang it, reader. They didn't even say anything uh, to you. Yeah, but I can I, I can hear their dissension through space and time. Anyways, chapter 41's epigraph. Um the hemolurgy sp- uh number of spikes, location, like where they're placed on the body, and powers, and the power granted all change of person physically. Um, seeing the Inquisitor's heart, the location of the heart changes, which, why? Um, (laughs) (laughs) it just like, it just seems unnecessary. You just like hear like this, just squishing and just, yeah. yeah. Oh God. Why though? (laughs) Imagine being like Marsh, feeling your heart changing position. Just be like, why are you doing this? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I already got stabbed, and like, I don't see the point of it, but whatever. It just goes up to your brain, so just constant thumping in your head. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so the change in Chandra is one of the largest, it says, because it gives them sentience while removing sentience from the Colossus, which we already talked about a bit From earlier. humans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I guess reusing the spikes constantly uh, ended up making it to where they started regaining some of their sentience, right? Because when you reuse a spike, it loses, it, there's a hemolurgic decay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why they started becoming smarter over time. So, Seiza is thinking about Spook being just another creation of the sky, and I was wrong. He do, There is confirmation. He does know that they are... Yeah, sorry, that Spook is the... Uh, or sorry, no, he doesn't actually know that it's spooky at this point. My God, I'm sorry. I just keep. <laughs> oh, by the way, for those of you who heard me coughing and sniffling and stuff, I do have COVID. So I've been recovering from that. Overall, I am fine. Um, but yes, please excuse any sniffling and coughing and sneezing you might hear. <clears throat> so anyways, uh, say Zed, he's thinking about the survivor of flames, right? We know him to spook to be spook, but spook can I have that title? Dude, I know it's so cool. Survivor of the Mist, Survivor, the Survivor of Hassan, Survivor of the Flames. That's so cool. These Scott man, they come up with some bomb titles. 
So and uh, Seizet becomes like super interested, right? Because he's seeing a development of a religion right in front of him. And I don't blame him. I'm not really into religion either as far as like studying on them. And this is really interesting. And he the way he like breaks it down, because obviously it's his like specialty, it's really interesting. Um he's he they the Scott know that Spook is just a regular person. But he's been granted the title of the survivor, and he's so I guess like, and I excuse me if I'm wrong, but I feel, I think that's kind of like Catholicism, right? You have um, saints, guys who become so good that they get like the rank of sainthood. So it feels like Survivor is normal everyday people who do something so extraordinary they get the rank of Survivor, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. But while you think about this, they're just waiting for Carlyon's execution. (laughs) He's just like, this religion is so cool. He's like, yeah, we're waiting for people to get killed. (laughs) (laughs) Full on, like, hierarchy. I'm sorry, what? It's like a full on hierarchy. I wonder what's after Survivor. Yeah, yeah. Kel's here. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big jump. Yeah, so anyways, um, POV switches to Spook. And, uh, okay, so I wanted to talk to you about this. Do you think the Kelsier that he's seeing is Kelsier, like the guy who died Kelsier? Or do you think yes. it's, you think it's him? I think it's ruined, dude. I think it's ruined. Nah. I think Kelsier's just that baller that he's up there with the, <laughs> his buddies, like the best buds with yeah, the, he could be. best buds with the preservation, just hanging with him. <laughs> He's probably like laughing his butt off at all this stuff because he's just that cool now. I told you he ain't dead. Well, he is dead, but he's just like Obi Wan. Underneath management. Powerful. <laughs> no, that's not even how that meme works. <laughs> Anyways, um, so Kelsier slash whatever the hell this thing is is really pushing him hard to kill Quellian. Which, if it's Kelsier, it's because. He hates that Quellian is using his message to hurt innocent people. And if it's Ruin, it's because Ruin really wants something out of Spook. Like this, I don't know. Ruin really wants Quellian gone for some reason. I, I don't, and I still don't understand why. So, anyways, he's watching Beldra as well. Uh, and she's clearly not wanting this execution to go through. Uh, but he jumps down. Uh, into the building and starts like saving everybody. He even busts the kneecaps of this one of Quellian's soldiers Breaking and leaves him there to die. Yeah. Like, uh, like uh, could you imagine the pain of the kneecaps and the fear of you're about to be burned and then eventually actually getting burned and that pain of that too? Ooh. I think it would just all be. You would just be blinded from the pain of the knee. I would. I wouldn't be surprised if he just passed out, dude. Breaking your knees, God. Yeah, he might pass out, but he. I'm sure would wake up when he. He might actually die of suffocation before the fire actually gets to him, though. Now that I think about it. Well, for his sake, I hope he didn't get burned to death as well as knee broken <laughs> kneecaps. But he serves Quellian, so screw him. Um, <laughs> Boop jumps out, and this is like a cinematic moment here or actually i did want to touch on one thing say that here he's watching this execution he thinks it's really ironic how 
Before, everyone would gather together by the command of the Lord Ruler to watch the execution of Scott. And now, everyone, by the command of the Ska's version of the Lord Ruler, I guess, um, everyone's gathering around to watch execution of so-called nobility. Um, it's one of those things that, like, if you really deep dig deep enough, almost everyone's a nobleman. So, like, what do you do? Just kill everyone? <laughs> uh, come on, man. Um, so, such a stupid... Yeah, I mean, it's clearly just a grab for power, right? Like, he doesn't, I am almost certain he doesn't actually believe it. Um, he might eventually believe it himself at some point, which I think happens to dictators. After a while, they start believing their own propaganda. You know, you repeat something over yeah. and over again. I think he believes it, but he's just so corrupted and twisted. Yeah, uh, but I, 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 am, I believe for sure that he didn't believe it early on. He might believe it now, for all we know. Yeah. But anyways, Ariana, so Spook comes out and this is like a cinematic moment, like bursts out and flames and everything around him. And it's the breeze and says it and Ariana finally get confirmation that the survivor of the flames is Spook. And he comes out, you know, with a kid in his arms and everything. This is like a very uh, cinematic moment. I, I could see this in a movie or a TV show easily. And breeze and Ariana start uh soothing slash riding the crowd so that they can start attacking so that the crowd starts getting mad at Quellian, which gives mm-hmm. uh spook enough distraction time to run away. And that is it for chapter forty one. Um and then chapter forty two it's pretty short. Uh Marsh walks into Lucidel, goes to Penrod, stabs him in the heart, and goes. Bam, chapter 42. Uh, he does it so that Ruin can control him. But here's my question. How... does it, Is it just like the more spikes you have inside yourself, the more control Ruin has over you? I... Question mark? I mean, I guess, right? Because... Marsh was saying that he doesn't actually control. He he's not gonna be controlling Penrod's every action. He's just gonna nudge him here and there. So maybe he doesn't have full control over Penrod. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, and if this is true, and if my theory is true about Vin being a hemallergy, uh, hemallergy user with like her earring and stuff, then that means she's being controlled by Ruin. Hmm. Um Yeah. I mean then that means what we're about to see in chapter forty four could be that. But we will get to that when we get to chapter forty four. Yeah. Uh and is I'm I'm also like kind of debating whether or not Ruin is just like a regular dude or just like a really jacked regular dude because uh, he has the same limitations as Vin does for controlling like Colossus and stuff. I'm sorry, who, who are you talking about? You're talking about Ellen? No, uh, Ruin. Oh. 
Yeah, I, I think. So what are you thinking exactly? Are you, like, because I, I he is still a god. Because it was explained the same way whenever uh, Vin was Vin was trying to control a Colossus. Like, okay, if I don't, they'll just be at the back of my mind. And if I look away, or if I just like don't focus on them, they'll still do their thing that I'm ordering them to. But they might just slip away until I focus back on them. And that's the same exact thing with Ruin, except just on a much larger scale. So he probably has the same limitations as everybody else. Or else he would already have... Yeah, why hasn't he controlled the these Colossus yet? Huh. I think I'm asking all the right questions. <laughs> I guess we would have to raffle indeed. <laughs> Um, and on to chapter 43. Um, so the epigraph for it basically just talks about how you can be the strongest Alamancer ever, like I guess Elend is right now because he has the original power of the Alamancers of old. But it you have to be like skilled with it to actually beat another Alamancer, but in hemallergy, you just have to point the spikes in the right direction, and then, bam. I don't think it's point; it's where the or placed. yeah, sorry, yeah. put it in the right area. Yeah, which goes to chapter forty-four's epigraph, where it just talks about um, it can be the difference between creating a mindless brute or a crafty inquisitor. Which, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess. He was experimenting himself, right? Like Lord Ruler. So probably he probably had I'm, I'm, attempts of Inquisitors I'm, that were more like Coloss than anything. I wonder if he if he was involved in any of that stuff as far as like changing it up or something because he did have the Well of Ascension. But yeah, anyway, uh, chapter forty three. Vin on the way to the ball. She spots. Other Mistborn on the way to the Yeoman's Ball. And whenever they're there, Vin goes and uh, around like the room in the ball. And she finds two women that are like trailing her. And it turns out that they're both Mistings at the very least. Uh, and then she goes outside uh, with a distraction that Ellen has going on. Um, he just like basically trolling Yeoman out of his mind. Oh and... my god. Okay, so I love the way Ellen was trolling um, uh, Yeoman. Yeoman so hard, right? Like, he was just, like, the way he was arguing was clear that he wasn't actually making a point. He was just, like, trailing his argument from one point to the next, like, constantly jumping from to the other. I think he yeah. was kind of, like, moving goalposts, essentially. Mm-hmm. I thought that was hilarious because um, it reminds me of, like, Jim and Dwight from The Office, the way that he was trolling him so hard. And I could just imagine the way that Yeoman was getting like annoyed, mm-hmm. uh, or not maybe not just annoyed, but also curious, like with um, Ellen's argument. It, it just it made me think of uh, 
Jim and Dwight were the officers. That was funny. Yeah. Uh, and while this is going on with with the distraction, she knocks out the two women outside, uh, and the trolling is just continuing. And then Ellen realizes that he's like actually getting to him. <laughs> like the yeah. trolling is actually like working. Um, Holy crap! You're actually falling for this. <laughs> In chapter 44, uh, we already got through the epigraph, basically, but, like, you just have to be accurate for for placing the spikes, or else that just ch- completely changes the outcome. Um, and so, basically, in chapter 44, this is all mostly plot more than anything else. There's not much, like, a deeper discussion we could get into, like, the other chapters, but... Vin goes in uh, downstairs and makes it into this one room, this sketchy room. And I'm pretty sure this is the uh, the cache that they were looking for. And she yeah, goes... so there's a question here, right? The door to the cache was ripped apart. Yeah. And I don't... Okay, so this is... This is where it gets kind of confusing because we get confirmation, I believe it's in this chapter, <coughs> that Yeoman can burn Atium. So for whatever so he is a mistborn, right? Now, if he he could have easily opened the door, why did he need to like rip it apart that, you know, ferociously? Um a bait. I mean, I guess, but like he could have opened the door anyways, right? So why did, what does he need to bait exactly? Like he baited her anyways. Why would yeah. he bait her and like that? So I don't. Now, maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he didn't open the door originally. Maybe somebody else did. Right? That's possible, yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe people who tried to maybe the people that yeoman overthrew but originally the people who Yeoman overthrew was set first set oh, left true so i don't know you know so i to my understanding he was always there so i don't know like yeah because i mean he's burning atium right um that is now it could be wrong uh, maybe ellen is wrong right maybe ellen because the only reason we know ellen or Yeoman can burn Atium is because when he when they kind of did the little fight thing, uh, he burned Electrum, and uh, he kind of got confused a bit. Yeoman did. Uh, now that confusion, Ellen might have ran it, or I don't even know how to explain this. He might have like uh, understood that as being confused because he's burning Atium. When really he's just not, I don't know, he could be confused about something else, right? Like, why is it that he was talking to me all this time? But, I mean, he knew that Vin's going to try something because it was a trap, right? So they got, yeah, there's something here that it's kind of confusing. Kind of sketch. Maybe he's like an ADM misting or something. We don't know. We don't have confirmation that they don't exist. Yeah, I mean, that's so true. There's no reason that they're... I mean, to my understanding, the only mistings were the ones of the first, whatever it was, like eight medals. But, I mean, that would make sense. 
Could you imagine being a, a, a aluminum or a duralum and misting? <laughs> this is useless. Duralum isn't useless. You burn duralum into duralum. You can't burn any other metal, so what do you? <laughs> yeah, you you burn duralum to burn more duralum. <laughs> Just heats up your tummy. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so she goes in, and it's, like, kind of clearly a bait because uh, the door closes behind her, and she gets in a prison cell, and then some dude walks in, and it turns out to be Reen, which is not expected, but probably a ghost. Yeah, I mean... If you're right about her having a hemolytic spike because of the earrings, then Mr. Zane had one. Yeah, didn't he? He had a hemolytic thing. So it yeah. seems like only the people with hemolytic stuff have visions. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, yeah, vision of uh, spook, Zane. Um, what's his name? Vin. Uh, has been seeing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. I wonder if, like, Colos sees things, too. I want to see what the point of that would be, though. But, yeah. That's, like, the end. There wasn't much else. No, I know. It's, uh, there's just... I I, I don't know. The last three chapters here in this section that we just did, there, there wasn't that much. But... You can tell it's going to start heating up super hard now. Uh, we're entering to the, uh, starting to enter into the end game here. Act two, part two. No, just finished part three. This is the end of part three, Broken Skies. No, part um, two of act two, as in like. Yeah, yeah. The different acts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. The, um, from what I remember, the last part, it's just, you can't really put the book down because every chapter is like a page and a half long and it's just jumping from one person to the other. And you're just like, <laughs> like every chapter it leaves you in such a cliffhanger and you just like for each person. <laughs> yeah. It's for, it leaves you frothing at the mouth for more and more. It's just, it's really, really well done. Um, but yeah, that does it for part three of broken skies. Next time we'll be starting part four, beautiful destroyer doing chapters 45 through 51. <laughs> Uh, that should cover about half that part. And then, so, I mean, if we keep the pace up, uh, we could be done in four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. A month. Yeah. And then we'll finally be starting a book that I haven't read. So excited for that. <laughs> Miss Warren era two question mark. Yeah. That, or we could go into Miss Warren secret history. I think either one will work. So I think we should do secret history first. Yeah. That's fine by me. Yeah. But, as always, please, um, uh, if you like the podcast, let us know what you like about it. If you don't like the podcast, let us know what you don't like about it. Um, please tell us, uh, tell your friends about us. Uh, follow us on Twitter at pod underscore bookkeeper. Discord link or uh, attached to every show notes. Uh, follow us on TikTok. I do have videos going up semi regularly. Yeah, it's, it's really fun to talk to uh, the one dude in our Discord. Yeah. So y'all should join. Yeah, we have some great discussions going. He's currently reading Wheel of Time as well. Uh, so it's kind of nice to see him kind of advance through. Uh, 
speaking of which, I am on halfway through book eleven, A Wheel of Time, and I'm out of fourteen. Uh yeah, out of fourteen. Twelve if you include the the um prequel. So that'd be twelve out of fifteen if you include the prequel. But yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's good. Have you already read the prequel? Yeah, yeah. I read oh. it just before this one. Oh. And I actually have my thoughts on the prequel uh New Spring on the TikTok. So Please check that out whenever you guys get a chance. Um, Until next time, thank you, everyone.